play the fight song. Welcome into the Play the Fight Song podcast. We are ready to preview week four, probably the most loaded slate we've had this year already. We're amped up. we got a ton of games to get to, and we want to touch on other ones that maybe we're not going to completely highlight, but we still want to talk about these games that are happening for the weekend. We're coming off a weekend. People said we're going to was going to be boring, wasn't going to be entertaining. Wrong again. Wrong again. It's always fun. It's always energetic. It's always college football. How's everyone feeling today? Park just hammered some peanut butter chicken. I cannot believe. I'm not going to go to him as he's trying to swallow the peanut slot butter slot. chicken. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. That, it's he swears disgusting. by it. I've never had it yet, but it combines two of my favorite things in the world. But I don't know if they go good together. I'm not sure. Dude, it's so what good. What you should do is you should air fry chicken nuggets. Put them in a little Ziploc bag. You put them next to your bedside peanut butter and just dip them in the middle of the night. Hey, you're for a that was those. That was it. Was good, dude. That's that was the dumbest. That, was the that's, that, that happened. Dude, is Most that worse? In the middle of the night, worse, like begging is... for water. No, Reese wants a finger full of peanut butter at 3 a.m. Which would make me want water crack... more. Is that worse <laughs> or hearing Parks crack a pib at 3 in the morning when I'm going to take a piss? <laughs> Don't bring me into this. We're talking about your peanut butter guys, obsession. Guys, this is the third episode in a row where we're bringing our personal lives into this. We're taking we're shots at everybody. This is stuff that people need to know. I like it turned butter. into food. It turned into food. And then we started bringing up bedside foods and what we're cracking at two o'clock in the morning. Some people, very diet. Morning, some people take a finger full of peanut butter. Spoonful, thank you very much. Sometimes Whatever. two or three. <laughs> it's quiet, baby. That's crazy. <laughs> the peanut butter is way further because you wake up no, thirsty. No, it is not, dude. No, it is not. <laughs> It's yes, so it is. A pib, a dude, a pib that's been sitting out Reese. since midnight. It's not Reese. cold. You're did you, did you, did you eat the peanut butter with your bare fingers? <laughs> no, I had a spoon in there, numb nuts. But then you put the oh, yeah. back. I'm like a finger in there. I'm not like Ted Lasso. Yeah, it's a Ted Lasso. Actually, I like. Oh, you guys don't know that, but I like to keep it a jar of peanut butter open on the middle of the couch. So I can just walk by, put my finger anytime I get hungry. He goes, it's actually That's fucking a brilliant. brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody says that about bedside peanut butter. <laughs> bedside peanut butter is way more wild than the drink. After me. What are you doing with that peanut uh, butter, Reese? What are you doing with that? <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> hey, there's a ton of stuff we got to get to, um, especially the games that we really want to break down, the highlight ones that are ranked matchups. Um, Let's start with some quick recent news in college football. Michigan State has initiated the process of firing Mel Tucker. That will be finalized here shortly. Jalen Milrow is officially starting a quarterback again for Alabama. Again, why he didn't play last week, we're not 100% sure. Saban's going to keep that close to his chest. There's speculation places. I think we're just ready to see what happens this weekend when they're challenged again at home with him back at quarterback. Last thing to cover on this, Jeff Munkin, Army's head coach, gets an extension through 2027, now putting him over $2 million annually. Army off to a good start. I believe they're 2-1, and one, and they're going to play Syracuse this weekend. Should be a really entertaining game, a fun game. One that Reese still hasn't decided who he's cheering for. Like, we're oh, just I cheering got for my, fun, right? You, I'm cheering for both teams. Where both teams yeah. have the ball. It's like Big Cat said. Both teams are my favorite when they have the ball. Score points. Cool. Yep. It's it's simple. Everybody have fun. Reese is gonna wear one of those uh those hats, like house divided jerseys and hats. It's like half army, half Syracuse, and then a shirt says points. I think that's like gonna be only point. one of its kind of the no, house divided have a, type. A play the fight song T shirt on. 
say like points and then say, play the fight song on the back or something like that. Both teams have fun. Quote from Reese. <laughs> that's that's what I was gonna say on the back. Hey, like I said, this is gonna be a crazy week for. I'm already trying to figure out how I'm going to watch these games, what screen, what game is going to be on, because a lot of them overlap, like I was saying. But let's start. We're going to start at 11 a.m., and then we'll work later into the night as we go. So if you think one of these games is bigger than the other, we're going by the time. All right. First off, it's Florida State. It's Clemson. It's one that's been circled probably since the schedule came out. This is two teams that a lot of people thought would be able to get into the college football playoff. It's two teams that were picked to win the ACC or play again in the ACC title. Linus two and a half. Florida State is your favorite at Clemson Parks. You're in control of this one. Tell us a little bit about this game and what you expect to see. Yeah, obviously a highly anticipated ACC matchup early in the conference season. Um, you got a Clemson team that lost at Duke week one. The people wrote them off. They were not good that week at all. People started the, the da- is Dabo done conversation? Is he behind the times? Like we talked about. But really, after that, I mean, they took it to Charleston Southern and they took it to FAU. Uh, they beat Charleston Southern 66 to 17 and then FAU 48 to 14. So obviously they found some offensive life, whether or not that's going to work against this Florida State team, which we discovered is pretty elite with some side notes by it, obviously. Um, we got to really look into this game. And when you look into this game, to be honest with you, on the offensive side of the ball, statistically, Clemson has the upper hand. They're a more balanced team. They put up more yards on both sides of the ball on average. So this this Florida State team coming off a 31 to 29 win against debatably one of the worst teams in Power Five. So we thought. So we thought. Granted, Red Bandana game. Still think, uh, we still think. We still think. I mean, they're terrible, right? Like 31 to 29 is a joke. They're up 31 to 10. They got outscored in the fourth quarter of that game, 13 to nothing. So really, if you look at kind of each side of this story. You have a Clemson team who's coming off of two great wins, and then you have a Florida State team who kind of is like, holy shit, why was that as close as it was? Granted, a win's a win, but like I said, offensively, Clemson has the nudge. They're more balanced, and then defensively, Clemson also has the edge. Statistically, these signs point to Clemson, and the line tells you otherwise. So does the ranking, which I have a nitpick for the AP poll again. Why is Clemson not ranked? Time out, shocker. You You have to nitpick with the AP poll? It, it, why it's is Clemson not ranked? Yeah. They got beat week one, dropped to 22, and then now they just piss-pounded two teams and they're receiving votes. I just don't it's, understand. It's to watch some of those people and how they vote. You know they have no time to watch any other games. They're all covering a certain team for a certain newspaper, so they got to be at interviews. they got to be writing stuff down. they got to be writing their own articles. they got to be editing stuff, doing their own podcast. You're telling me they got time to watch all these games? Like, come on. It's, no, they're, they're just guessing for, for clicks. Anyway, going back right. to it. It should be a ranked one. Yes, it should be a ranked matchup. It's still going to be a great matchup. Going back to Clemson's defense, they only allow 246 yards per game total on average. So it's a very good defense. And even against Duke that Monday night, they only gave up 28. And granted, they only scored seven. But if they found an offensive stride, this is going to be a hell of a ball game. And that's kind of what we expect. That's what I expect. For my predictions, I think Jordan Travis – and Keon Coleman have to play big roles and make big plays for this Florida State offense, obviously, against a good defense. And then on the offensive side of the ball, Will Shipley. And Kate Klubnick's really found his stride a little bit. He's kind of looked more comfortable. Granted, it's been against second-tier, maybe third-tier opponents. But rolling in with a lot of confidence, I actually like Clemson to win this game 27-24 and an upset. There, there we go. I mean, that's a home dog, right, getting points. And they're going to be doubted by a lot of people. 
Clemson has won seven straight against this Florida State squad. For me, I think I was going through this game, kind of looking through everything, and to me it was, I called it more of a prove-it game for Florida State. Not necessarily prove that you're a good team, but prove that you're now the class of the ACC and you are what people thought you were going to be preseason, right? And Clemson, it's redemption. This is a redemption game. Get yourself back on the map. People threw you to the wayside when you played like crap at Duke. It's time for you to get all your redemption back, get back into the rankings, back into the front seat of the ACC in which everybody at Clemson thinks they belong and they've been there for a long time, right? And so I kind of riddled it down to those two things. I don't know, Schaefer, Rishi, you have anything to add on to this game? I just had, you know, some small stats, tidbits that Parks really touched on, so I don't need to jump on those again. What are you guys thinking on those? Do you have, like, a prediction? Is anybody taking I, this game? I will... Maybe get to that later. Um, okay, we'll get to the that one later. thing that stands out to me, honestly, was last week looking at the Boston College game. Uh, Thomas Castellanos was pretty effective versus that Florida State defense, not only through the air, throwing for 300 yards, but 95 yards on the ground as well. So, what that kind of tells me, it's an opportunity for Klubnik to kind of use his legs just as much of his arm. I think he is more mobile when he's presented the opportunity. Um, how he takes care of that is is really up to him. Uh, I don't – they played well in the second half of the Charleston Southern game, and the defense has been stout pretty much all year. Can Clemson take care of the ball? That's the biggest thing. Take care of the ball. Don't force – or don't give up three terrible fumbles like you did against Duke. Um, and on the other side, I like Florida State and what they bring offensively. I think they have the better athletes to do it. Take care of your big guys. You know, Throw it to Wilson. Get Coleman involved. How many big plays can they have? Um yeah. And can Florida State force turnovers like Duke did in week one? That's that's the biggest impact that I think yeah, is going to happen I, in this game. I wrote down also, like like for Clemson, don't plan on them making those same mistakes. Those were unforced errors in that Duke game. That really hurt them. I mean, you turned over twice inside the red zone on, on like, inexplicable fumbles. And Duke goes down and scores and capitalizes on it. I would not plan on Clemson making those same, same mistakes at home. I think they've had this one circled for quite a while. Reese, anything on this one? I'm not going to touch it. It's obviously, I think, the second biggest game of this week. It's going to be good to see. I obviously need Clemson for my prediction uh, going forward, but I still think it's a game where their offense has got to show a little bit more. I mean, you can't turn over over the ball like you just said um, because I don't know if that defense is going to be able to stop that offense as high powers there with Travis uh, as many times. So I think that the offense is going to have to be efficient and not not allow any turnovers. Yeah, and one thing to pay attention for this one before I kind of say my piece on who I think who wins. Jordan Travis is a little banged up. Again, we don't know a ton. Nor- Norvell's not going to tell us a ton. Like he's not going to say much about how he's feeling, but he did have that shoulder injury slash issue during that Boston College game. For this one, Parks took Clemson. Reese is staying away, but he needs Clemson for that college football playoff prediction. Schaefer's going to get to it later. Um, I think I lean Florida State here. I think I take the more experienced quarterback and I think they have better weapons. Clemson, again, we've talked about this in the preseason. They didn't have the outside weapons and the receivers that you'd seen in the past. Well, Keon Coleman now and Jaheim Bell and just kind of goes on and on for Florida State. And I think he's going to – or Travis is going to give him a little bit of issues on his mobility and be able to run the football and get out of the pocket and extend things. And when you extend things with playmakers on the outside, somebody's going to slip open at some point. So I'll take Florida State on that one. So I think – I'll still Let's pick go. Clemson to win. I'll still pick Clemson to win. Yeah, I was going to say, like, do you want to I'll have still pick somebody to win. I'm not, not betting-wise, but I'll pick Clemson to win. 
So it sounds like we're not going to get one from Schaefer until later. So it's two Clemson, one Florida State, and we'll get to Schaefer later. He may be uh, making it a 3-1 set or tied at two. Next game here, Colorado plus 21 heading up to Eugene to play the Ducks. This one is on Reese. He's got this one. He's going to lead us through it. What are you seeing? Uh, first thing that jumps off, over-under is set at 72.5, so a lot of points going to be expected in this ball game. Um, we heard the news. Travis Hunter has been going to be out, not going to be a part of the uh, defense or offense this week. Uh, it's in a defense that's already giving up 30 points a game, and they're going up against an offense that is scoring over uh, scoring 58 points a game. So I think that defense is going to struggle. Uh, Bo Nick should have himself a day. Bucky Irving, um, they're going to have no problem running the ball just because I think they're going to dominate the line of scrimmage. Um, not to mention that Colorado's giving up 200 yards a game on the ground and over 250 yards in the air. So I don't think that yeah. defense is equipped to stop this high-powered offense. And Shadur has been phenomenal this year. He's made plays, hasn't turned over the ball, just the one interception. But if he is not as efficient and turns the ball over against this uh, against this defense and gives Oregon multiple chances to score, it's not going to be good for that Colorado team. They're not going to be able to keep up. I think 21, They can as long as they don't turn over the ball, I think they can cover that easy. But if they turn over the ball, I think this Oregon offense is equipped to score and capitalize on those mistakes. But yep. if Shador can be can keep playing the way he has been and not turn the ball over, give it get it to Horn, get it to Edwards, get it to Weaver, find those guys and get them open. I think they'll be all right. They can keep they can keep within the spread. Um, and I mean they went to TCU to start off the year and they played well. So like they've proven they can play on the road. It's not like they haven't gone and done that yet. Um, but Eugene's going to be a little, little bit more hostile environment. So it's. How can they travel without their one of their top receivers? Um, and what can that defense do to try to get stopped? Because they're not going to get a lot. But how can that offense also just not turn the ball over and Shador keep yeah. being him? So. Yeah, and I have a couple stats for this one that I thought really stood out to me. Um, this is this kind of tells you exactly what Colorado's been doing and how well they've been doing it. Colorado ranks uh, 41st with... 62 or 6.2 yards per play uh that is pretty darn good that's right in the middle of things i think your average nationally is 5.7 ish around there they're doing that without a run game like there's no run game to have they're averaging two yards per rush that's awful that's brutal it's just not great on the flip side they're throwing the ball for over 418 yards a game at a almost an 80 percent completion percentage out of shadour which is huge but here's my problem with this is Brees touched on it. They give up a lot of sacks The the amount of pressure Shadur is consistently under is terrifying for the kid because you know, he's just getting hit more and more and more. Now he's going against the defensive front. Who's pretty darn good. And has had success against teams already this season. Can you keep him healthy? Can you keep him upright? Can he make enough plays? I don't think he can to win, but maybe to get your cover that you were talking about Reese, like, Oregon's offense averages 7.1 yards per play. Colorado's defense gives up over five. There, there's just a very glaring talent thing here. Like the, It's very obvious where the talent lies in this game, and in a lot of it is in Oregon's hands. And there's a couple really good players, and you're missing one of them for Colorado. But it just it's very lopsided. I don't know what you guys are. What else you guys are thinking. Yeah, so if you take a look. Oh, uh, you go ahead, Jake. Twins, no, I, go ahead. I didn't have a big point. You look like you were rolling. You're good. <laughs> Oh, wow. What a blessing. Uh, so I was taking a look at the completion percentage and, and how often, you know, Colorado is giving up big plays. They give up 11.4 yards per completion. 
And you're going to roll in, roll in Bo Nix in Audison against this defense with no Travis Hunter. And Troy Franklin is going to have a day against this defense. <clears throat> so, it, okay, if they want to cover him up, they want to drop eight, Bo Nix can run. I don't think this this Colorado defense can have an answer. I don't think it's going to be close, and I think it's going to be a rude awakening for all those new Buffs fans. So, Jake? Yeah, I think all of you guys nailed it on the head. Like, my, just my biggest concern offensively for Colorado is just keeping Shadour on his feet. I mean, the guy took a bunch of shots last week, and yeah. you're you're guaranteeing that Landing is going to want to get after him, being the defensive guy that he is. And then defensively, I just don't know how Colorado can slow down this. Stop him. Yeah, I don't know how you slow down this offense. Oregon average is 9.75, basically 10 yards a pass. So a first down a pass. So can you keep Oregon off the field? Like, I just don't, no, no, I don't see it. But this team is the team score. They're going to score so is, fast. Yeah, that's true. That's true. They'll score so fast. They wouldn't even have to be on the field. The, my only problem is, is, and I talked to you guys about it earlier this week, was like, man, I, I'm kind of drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit where 21 is so much, it's hard to – this team just – they're just a bunch of gamers. I don't know. They they show up for the games that they're supposed to play, and and they like to keep things interesting and no matter who they play, whether they're better than the team they're supposed to beat or they're lesser than the team that they're supposed to – to beat I don't know this team always finds a way to be entertaining which is why I lean to the side of I feel like we all know that this will get ugly I think Cam raised the question do they keep Shadur in the fourth quarter when they're down 28 or whatever it is that's that's kind of intriguing to me how Dion kind of responds to the first punch in the mouth that he does get so I don't know those are a couple of things I'm, I'm looking at when I'm looking at this, I, and I need to correct myself, I said per play last night. Oregon's offense, 7.1 yards per rush. Colorado giving up five yards per rush, not per play. So let me just make that clear, which is not making things better for the Oregon defense. That actually is worse. <laughs> 5.0 yards per rush is awful. Um, this one, I can see what Shaver's saying, and like maybe they keep it close and stay within that number because they're not going to quit. Right. Like even if, if they go down 35 or they go th- down 30 or 24 or whatever, they're going to grind that out. And I definitely think they're going to be aiming um, to just keep playing and working through that game and work on things. Will it be with Shadur playing quarterback? I don't know. It depends how the game goes. But uh, I kind of think that they'll run into tougher, a tougher situation when they are forced to only throw the ball like if they're they're not gonna be able to run the ball at all I think and so that's my problem with saying that over is gonna happen like Oregon had some slip-ups against Tech and some other spots but I, I can see I can see something happening here where this number goes under just because it's such a giant number and now Oregon could put up 50 there's your problem they put up 49 and you know Colorado only needs 24 or whatever it is right so um I would lean under I would Probably lean Colorado on the points, thinking backdoor there, but I think Oregon wins this one, and I think they win it handily. Parks to you on this one. I think I know where you're going with it, but yeah, I mean, I'll. I just think you you gotta look at the defensive statistics of Colorado and the offense. I mean, you're talking about a an Oregon team that averages 58 points a game, and a Colorado team that doesn't really have an answer for teams that hit short, quick, go quick, which is all Oregon. I mean, you saw. TCU put up 42 with half the weapons that, that Oregon has. So I, I got Oregon big in this one, too. I'm going to go 52-24. Reese to you on this one. 
Give me Colorado cover, but Oregon's going to win the ball game. I think Colorado can get a backdoor cover at the end, or they're just going to keep it to within 14 to 20, I think. Jacob? I think Oregon's going to cover and win. I think Dion takes Shadour out late because they're right back at it with USC next weekend. So they yep. got to have everybody ready to go for a better opportunity on, on the defensive side next week. Yep. Hey, let's go to our second of three games in the Pac-12 that we're going to cover. Hey, incredible conference this year. This is a great slate for the Pac-12. U- UCLA travels to Utah to play the Utes. UCLA, a four-and-a-half-point dog. Here's what we know out of Rising. He's expected to play. Starting to kind of see that. But, again, like along with a lot of these colors, College coaches, words, 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 words. Whittingham is not going to tell you anything. Um, but it is expected rising. This is the week that he was expected to come back and play. They'll get their quarterback back. That's going to give a big lift to that Ute offense that kind of struggled a little bit. Playing Florida, they weren't great after the one big play they hit right away. They weren't great playing against Baylor either. You know, like you're going to bring in a guy that's already been an all-conference quarterback for you, but you settled in two other quarterbacks into the system. And so maybe now like you deal with a little rust from rising, maybe he's not that comfortable yet. Well, this is a big spot for him. He needs to be comfortable because this is a big game immediately in the Pac-12 slate. Uh, Dante Moore is a young quarterback going to face his first test for UCLA. This kid is a flip from Oregon that UCLA got. He's a true freshman. He's a very talented kid. But now you're going to Salt Lake City, that's already a tough place to play. It's tough to win. They have a really good defense. Can this kid stay composed? Can he stay calm? Can he really um, excel with this offense? That's a really run-based, and that's what Utah's strength is. So he's going to have to stay confident, and Chip Kelly is going to have to find a way to keep him in the game if he makes any mistakes. Uh, can you really find the weakness within this Utah defense? Uh, it'd probably be more through the air. But they, I don't think they're that worried about it this week. UCLA uh, is well uh, yardage balanced. They're going to run the football. They're going to find good big plays through the air, and it's going to be interesting to see just how just how the game plays out because Utah is going to try to slow it down and kind of play this game. If they get big plays, they'll take them. But UCLA kind of wants to be a little more up tempo. This game was high scoring last year, the year before that even, um, and UCLA actually won this game last year in Los Angeles. If you remember, we were talking about it. Uh, and we're like, oh, this is a top 25 matchup. There's nobody in the stands. And it was like the middle, like late September, early October. It was like, where, like, where are we at people? Like this team is in the top 25 and nobody wants to watch it. What do you guys see with this one? Is there any tidbits you have that you want to talk about? Is Like, what are you seeing on this game? I think for UCLA and you could sort of, say Utah with with rising coming back now is that we don't know a ton of what to expect with both of these teams this year yet and this is really this is a huge game and it's not getting talked about enough I'm glad we're kind of touching it because um, this could have some big implications on probably maybe that second or third spot in the Pac-12 race going down the stretch this year the thing I'm going to side with is I'm not going to let Utah bite me in the ass at home again as far as the prediction side yeah, i think dante yeah, morin is as, as talented as it gets but you're telling me his first true road test is against one of the pac 12s yeah. most solidified coaches and probably utah's best coach in its history so i just can't go against that with or without rising i know that barnes was terrible and they benched him for johnson so i don't know i don't really li- i can't believe anything dillingham or 
Dillingham has to say. I whether Rising is good enough to play or not, I don't I don't really know. I so can Johnson get it done if he has to play is basically what I'm getting at. I think he can. I think Jaquindon Jackson can run the ball well enough at home. I think the defense will be good enough. Um and Rice Eccles Stadium. This is, I mean, it's a tough place to play Hard for a reason. They're, play, baby. they're going they're going for number eighteen. They're they're going for number eighteen uh for wins in a row at home. So it'll be interesting to see how the freshmen can handle that the tough environment. Yeah, and especially if you're you know, trying to ease rising into this game and not move him around the pocket too much, you're gonna lean on the run game a lot. Uh Utah's run the ball forty three times per game in these first three games. That's commitment to the run game. And UCLA's defense is really unchallenged to this point outside of Coastal, who throws a little bit different package than you'll get out of Utah. It's more uh, power football through Utah and more spread it out option base with Coastal. But can they win the line of scrimmage? Because UCLA had them last year, kind of controlled that whole thing. But this is Utah's bread and butter. This is what they want to do. So if if both sides are going to have to settle a quarterback in if Rising plays. And if Rising doesn't play, like Schaefer just said, you're going to have to get a young guy settled in for a his first big game of the year um, in conference. So I think this is going to be a really close game, but I, I think it's one of those where it's within three with like four minutes left and UCLA makes it, you know, a young quarterback air throws a pick or incompletion turnover downs and Utah kind of puts it away uh, a last dagger and it wins by seven to 10. So I'll take Utah and I'll take Utah to cover as well. Just based on that. Uh, I think you're going to get an air out of more, he could play really well, but I think there's there's one error in there. It's just when does that error happen? Is it early in the game? Is it late in the game? Uh, so I'll go with that. Parks, down to you on this one. Yeah, so taking a look at this game, I just think it's it's honestly underhyped because it's two very good football teams. UCLA, not a lot of hype around them this year in general with the kind of the pieces they lost. But like I said in our preview, I believe in Kelly's product. I know he's a good coach. He'll have these guys ready to play. I can see this already playing out in my head this way where UCLA is going to get a lead and then Utah is just going to creep their way back into it. I think you hit the nail on the head, JP, where it's going to be close at the end and UCLA is going to catch a break and and win at home again. So give me uh, Utah to beat UCLA this week. Reese to you on this one. Well, we're all going to do it, so we're probably going to look dumb, with, but I'm going to take Utah too. It's the right cycles at home. Um, I'm just going to take the better defense um, at home. Like I said, it's a hard place to play. Toughest place to play. Toughest. toughest place to play. I'm sticking we're to st- it. We're still getting some like some traction <laughs> on that video. I mean, these two guys. I, I hope they listen to the pod. These two guys are still going at it in the comment section. Like four weeks later, I mean, they are <laughs> just jawing each other. They, you know, they, they don't know the context either. Comments. Like they didn't listen to what was said. They just no. assumed. Yeah, <laughs> this, like, this one guy's like, you guys don't play yeah. anybody in the SEC. So the guy's like, oh, typical BYU fans. You guys are always talking shit. You don't play anybody. It's like these guys. That's Get the alive. definition of watch a video, don't listen to what they're saying, and think you know what they're talking about. Schaefer, you have a prediction on this one? Yeah, I, I Utah. I, I'm not, not second-guessing this one. Yep. Jacob's hey, learning. Let's go back to the other side of the country. We have Ole Miss at Alabama. Lane Kiffin always throwing a little jabs in there throughout the week at the Saban crew and the Tide. Ole Miss plus seven. Milrow will start again, as we talked about. He didn't play last week, but he is going to start this week. I have no idea what happened again. Parks, you got this one. Let's talk about the Rebs at Tide. This should be fun. It's going to be a good one. It's it's shocking when you take a look at it on paper. Um, you have an Alabama team that's ranked so much lower than they normally are, especially this early in the year. They're usually piss-pounding people. 
Um, but it's a team that's uncertain at home right now. I mean, they, they just lost their first game in Tuscaloosa and 50 games or whatever that number was. And their defense ranks 48th in the country. And they're bringing in the 11th ranked offense in Ole Miss and a Lane Kiffin offense that knows how to put up points. Jackson Dart, like we talked about in our recap that released today or a couple days ago when you're listening to this, um, has really established himself in that Ole Miss offense. He's 45 for 68 for 852 and seven scores this far this year. That's numbers. I mean, you're, you're damn near to a thousand yards and you're not even at the fourth game of the year. That's when you kind of know that offense. He's fitting well, second year into it. I expect Ole Miss to score their points, but we're also talking about Alabama. Nick Saban's going to have these guys ready to play. And what really sticks out more than anything, even how good Ole Miss's offense is, is I really think Alabama has an advantage in the run game here. They run for 178 yards a game. Ole Miss likes to give up yardage on the ground, I'll tell you that. And it's just like the same question we ask ourselves every year is, can the Ole Miss defense step up and get stops? Bad news, this isn't Tulane. This is Alabama. And so I don't think that they're going to be able to do that as much as they were in that game. And I really think Milrow is going to play a big role in this, and it's a good move for him to start him because he'll be able to run all over the pocket and take advantage of this old Miss, these old Miss holes. It's a good team. It's going to be a good matchup, probably closer than years past because obviously Alabama has the uncertainties that they do. But I'm going to stick with Bama on this. I think they win this game 34-24 at home against Ole Miss. I would, I would say there's one thing on this. It's that Alabama's offensive line has started to look worse and worse. It didn't look good last week. It didn't look good the week before. It didn't look good against Texas. And we thought it'd kind of grow into itself. I mean, not that, again, like you were saying, Ole Miss's defense is like stout and just super nasty, but they have 10 sacks on the year. That's a decent number when you go through three games. Now they're not going against players like this or that blue blood type. But it's interesting to look at when now they don't have that all-star quarterback at Alabama. They don't have that great offensive line. They've put up 30, 42, and 63 in Kiffin in the last three years. 30, 42, and 63. That's ridiculous. <laughs> like You talk about commi- no commitment to defense. Kiffin has not cared during this stint. Um, I, I, I just look at it like Milrow, I think, is the right guy. And maybe there was a situation last week where they didn't play him for X amount of reasons or whatnot. Maybe he comes in with a vengeance. He's ready to go. He's fired up. And he doesn't necessarily need to throw the ball downfield, but he needs to just take care of the football and let the offense do what they need it to do. I don't think the defense for Alabama is getting enough love either. Like They they got beat on a couple deep balls from Ewers in Texas, but they weren't gashed on the ground. They're only giving up 3.3 yards per rush. When you break that down from how many times people are trying to run the football and really establish something on them that's pretty damn good it's still a good defense for Alabama and if they're good against the rush you know what Al you know Ole Miss is going to want to do and guess who hasn't gotten going this year Schaefer is it our boy uh Quinchon Juggins yeah has not gotten going the guys ran the ball 44 times it's not like they went away from him 44 <laughs> times for 145 yards and this is a guy that we were thought um, maybe had an outside shot at getting to New York, but definitely had a shot at being the first team all SEC running back. Um, so there are parts here where I'm like, Ole Miss can take advantage of this. But then I kind of look at it, and I'm like, you really think Saban, I think he knows how to beat Kiffin. I think he understands what he's going to get out of Milrow now. So, And if they can't get Quinchon Juckins going, Jackson Dart can't lead you on the ground and win this game, I don't think. So, Schiffer to you. Yeah. Well, but the Judkins piece, it's interesting because I'm not sure if he's been um, battling an injury or if he was almost going to be suspended, but he wasn't supposed to play last week. And 
typical Lane Kiffin fashion. He comes out and, and pulls out Judkins right before the game starts without telling anybody. It's typical college coach. But when I look at this, on the Ole Miss side, I mean, you could make a case that Jackson Dart might be the best quarterback in the SEC right now outside of probably Jalen Daniels would uh, have a pretty good argument to that. But he's not only throwing the ball over the field. He rushed for 136 yards last week. Yep. Okay, So he has the ability to do both, with I, which I think is going to put a ton of pressure um, on this Alabama secondary. And I love, love the weapons he has. Dayton Wade's been a nice piece. Trey Harris has been a stud. And like you said, JP, we haven't even seen Judkins tap into his potential. I don't know what the injury status is on Zakari Franklin yet. He, he hasn't played the entire year. I have no idea. I can't find anything if he's going to play this week or even this year at all. I don't know what the deal is on that. Um, but if they add him to the piece, I mean, this is a team that can give Alabama all sorts of fits on offense. I think Alabama has to look at the film and think what Haynes King showed last week is kind of a blueprint to how they can really expose this this Ole Miss defense. But for me, Milrow will make the big plays. He'll probably have a huge run. He'll use his legs. He'll have a 60-yard bomb. But can he just stay on the field for long periods of time? Can he control his offense? Can he control drives, put together drives, not just the big plays, not just the turnovers? Can he stay efficient? Can he stay on the field? The only way or the only thing that's really shying me away from Ole Miss is I don't remember the last time Nick Saban's lost back-to-back home games. That's literally yeah. the only thing that could keep me away from taking Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss is clearly the more talented team right now, especially on offense. And I think if they got into a shootout, I'm taking Ole Miss to win 42 to 35 because to be quite honest with you, I think just Milrow will turn the ball over more. I think Milrow's great. I think he can make awesome plays. I think you he's think an he's X factor. Or you think he's good? I think he could be great. I'm sorry. I okay. think he's got the intangibles to be great if he cleans yeah. up a little bit, but I just don't think it's going to happen. Um, in his third start of the year, it's I just don't see it. And and yeah. to be honest, I think the body language I'm getting from Alabama right now is is different from most years. Yeah, and talk just talking about like Alabama losing at home is you don't do that once majority of the time. Now you're going to do back to back weeks, not just twice in a year, but back to back home games, not necessarily weeks. Reese, when you look at this one, anything you see? Do you have a prediction on this one? Are you siding with anybody? Is it in a later segment, so you're not going to touch it, or what? No, no, I don't have anything there. But she okay. the nail in the head, man. I mean, Saban hasn't lost back to back home. They haven't lost a home game in how many games? So like, my guess, I if I had to look it up, I don't see the trend continuing. Probably 2007, that year they won like seven games or something. That would be my yeah. guess. I, I don't see the guy doing that, especially yeah. to a coach that he has done so well against, and now they know they kind of had the uncertainty the first couple weeks. And they had their whatever you want to call it last week. Now they know who their guy is. They're going to scheme around him. What, what would you call that last week? Experimentation? A slip, a slip up? A Experimentation? An anomaly? Like, I don't know what you call well, that last here's, week. Here's my whole deal with it. And it goes from Kiffin's comments this week to everything that we've kind of seen in the media. And you know the media likes to blow things up. But is there like this bashing of heads with Tommy Reese? And Nick Saban right now on whose guy is who? I don't know, man. You know, Reese was Buckner. Buckner was under Reese last year. Saban loves Milrow. We obviously are big Josh Pate fans. He comes out with the the rumor that he thinks Milrow was suspended last week. That would that's yeah like, insane. I I don't know how you. There's so many things going on. Person to say that though, I don't know. That's that's why it's like I. I'm not going to butt my head into a saving program because the guy knows how to run a program better than anybody in the world. But let's get to predictions so we can get to some of these other games. 
Parks down to you. I believe you said Ole Miss covers, but doesn't win. No, I had him covering too. I have Bama 34-24. I just think people, I want to make this point okay. really quick. Yeah. Uh, I think people need to kind of realize what last week was. If you haven't checked the full highlights, this thing, what they were playing in a monsoon, man. It wasn't going to be somewhere where you were going to yeet the ball around and score. Granted, they only scored 10 against USF. It's unacceptable. But what would have been an acceptable number for the conditions? 24? Like, are we even having this conversation? They went 24 to 3? Really? 30 points, dude? I mean, that they called USF, the game for a while. They were swimming in the crowd. It's yeah. Alabama, man. Nah, it'll, it'll be fine. 34-24, Bama. Reese, to you on this one. I like Parks' idea. I think Bama wins the game. I think they cover. I'm taking them at home. All right. I, I'll take Ole Miss to cover. I think that's it's just going to be gritty, man, and you're going to get maybe a mistake out of that offensive line that keeps Ole Miss around or Milrow tries to do too much, but I really like the Ole Miss offense. Ole Miss I think, to cover and win yeah. or just no, to cover? No, no, just to cover. I think this is more like a 34-30 kind of game. I'm going to wait for – I guess I'm just going to let Nick Saban prove me wrong. I think there's too much going against this team right now. I'm taking mm-hmm. Ole Miss to cover and win. I think they'll find a way to a little money to line sprinkle team. for the young man. Just yeah. a, little, a, little, a little on top Make of that it interesting. stuff. Make a it interesting, something. huh? A little something. Hey, we're going back to the Pac-12 here. This is our third and final game for the Pac that we're going to cover. And this is a game that nobody's talking about again. Like, <laughs> we're talking about UCLA-Utah. Nobody's talking about Oregon State at Washington State. I mean. Because they don't belong to anybody. Love. Yeah. Like, I, to anybody that's out there that's looking for games to watch at certain times, please tune into this one. This is the two teams that are ranked in the top 25. This is two programs that got left behind in the Pac-12 and all the realignment BS. And obviously two teams and programs that deserve to be a part of this um, in the future. Tune in. Show them support. If you get, They're going to get all this money, hopefully, through this court case that they're fighting with other teams that left the Pac-12. But I think... In this game, I look at Oregon State and I see a more balanced football team. I see the better defense. I see an offense that has the ability to put it in the air as well, run it as well as run it very well with Martinez, who's had three consecutive 100-yard games. Uh, Uyunglele threw a couple picks last week in some situations that maybe he kind of forced things a little too much. But then you go back to the San Jose State game and he didn't force anything. He found the open guys, did what he needed to, put his head down, um, and made plays on the ground if he had to. 6.3 yards per rush for Oregon State and Washington State's defense is giving up almost six and it's right around average. That's that's my problem is that if Oregon State can control the clock and keep Cam Ward off the field, this really bodes well for the Beaver offense and they can use Uyunglele on the ground and they have Martinez, probably the best back in the Pac-12 against the Washington State defense that's been exposed through the air as well as on the ground right now they did last time they played at home they got a massive win they beat wisconsin they kind of controlled that game most of the way it felt like this is different to me this is a team that's more experienced not running their new system oregon state knows who they are wisconsin's still working on all that stuff um cam ward has the ability to go insane he could go bonkers and take this game over and really keep wazoo in a controlled spot or Maybe he has to play hero and it's just an uphill climb for him the whole time. And he still plays really well, but it's just too much to uh, overcome. If Oregon state's controlling the ball, man, and taking the time of possession away from him, it makes things really tough. Um, Oregon state's kind of been exposed to the air in certain spots too. Like San Jose state had a lot of completions on it. San Diego state even threw the ball well against them. 
maybe this is Cam Ward's window. Like that's how he wins the game, right? He makes big plays through the air with his talented receiving core. This one is actually interesting to me. I won't give my prediction. We're going to talk about it later, but I'm pumped to watch this game. Pumped. This is one of my favorite ones of the weekend. I'd rank it top two probably for the weekend. What else do we have on this one? I know we had some people who were were obviously big fans of Cam Ward on this podcast. Obviously, some people who love the Oregon State brand and doing all that stuff. What do we see in this game? Let's just open it. Round table. This is anybody. I think it's a contrast of styles. I think what makes this game so exciting. On one side of the field, I think I can confidently say right now you have a top 10 quarterback in college football in Cam Ward um, who's playing as good a football as he's ever played in his career. And on the other side, you have one of the best running backs in college football and Damian Martinez, who's rushed for 100 yards every game. So both of their offenses have been pretty prolific for the first three games of the year, but in different ways. So I think that in itself makes it an interesting game. Uh, For Oregon State, I think they're going to be able to win in the trenches. I think that they have a better defensive line that will be able to get after Ward more than Ron Stone and Washington State's defensive line. Yep. For Washington State, you got to create some turnovers. DJ was like, I think he was 14 to 30 last week. He had a couple of picks. So load the box, force him to beat you, and don't let Martinez get to 100. Because obviously, I mean, stats don't lie. He's 3-0 and when he gets to 100 yards so far this year. I know they haven't played a, a bunch of great teams, but limit Martinez, force DJ to spread his wings and get outside the box and that's that's going to be and the key to Washington State winning this game. And I don't want to like make it sound like I've been saying Wazoo has a bad defense because they don't. No. Like they're solid defense, right? There's just spots where Oregon State has potential to take over, and that is in the run game. Or Wazoo's always had a solid defense; they'll have a solid defense again this week. Reese, to you on this one. I really like your idea about Oregon State. Oregon State just slowing it down and can try to take the ball away from Cam Ward, not letting me have too much time. I think Washington State can find a way to cover because they are at home. But I still like Oregon State to win the ball game. I just think they're a more sound team. You, yes, uh, Washington State had a big win against uh, Wisconsin at home. Like you also mentioned, Oregon State knows who they are, and Wisconsin was trying to figure out what they were really going to be about this year. You know, new quarterback, new head coach, new OC, all that stuff. And then Oregon State is just—they know they're going to—they're going to be able to run the ball extremely well. They're going to feed that guy and try not to let DJ make too many mistakes if he does make any. Um, and just kind of slow that offense down to keep Cam Ward off the field because you guys keep saying he can go ballistic, and that's what they want to try to avoid. So, 100%. Parks, to you on this one. Yeah, so there's two points I want to make, and we kind of look at Oregon State. Is this mo- the most quiet, great team in college football? Because they haven't lost a game since November 4th of 2022. I mean, they're 9-1 and one in their last 10 games as a football program. Granted, you're talking about some bad Pac-12 teams in there, but it's also yeah. some good wins. And their last loss was against Washington on the road back then, which is a great football team as they're proving this year. So I think you got to look at Oregon State with kind of a, a op- more open eyes because this is a good football team rolling into Pullman, which is not a tough, pl- not an easy place to play. Um, but with all that said, we are a very pro Cam Ward podcast. I don't think people realize how good this Washington State offense is. I mean, they're averaging 535 yards a game on offense. Their passing attack is ranked third in the Pac-12 for 400 yards a game. That's teams like USC, Oregon, Colorado, who we just talked about how good their passing game are in that, and they're smack dab in the middle of it. Give me Cam Ward and the Washington State Cougars at home to take down the Beavs. 
Schaefer, you had a prediction on this? Are you siding with Parks? Yeah, I'm a little torn. Um, I I can't wait for the the narrative on Monday if the DJ Uyungle goes into goes into Pullman and or yeah, Pullman, is this Pullman? Yes, Pullman comes out with a victory. Um, and on the other side, if Clemson loses, oh boy, will ESPN be like, is it all oh Dabo's fault? Is it all Dabo's fault? I think I'm going to take the team that travels well. Um, that runs the ball very effective. And hopefully, I would love to see DJ succeed in this uh, situation. I love Cam Ward, um, but I'm going to take the road team on this one. We'll get to my prediction later. Pretty you sure don't love him that much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, don't love him. you already gave yours, right? I just want to make sure yeah. before we go to the next yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Just wanted to make sure here. To the next one we go. I have a ton of notes on this. I'm not even the one that's supposed to be covering it. UCF at Kansas State. The Knights plus five to take on the Wildcats. Schaefer, you got this one. You're the Big 12 guy. Go ahead. Yeah, we might be uh, seeing both of these teams come out in wheelchairs uh, trying to duel it out just because both of them are dealing with so much injury. Uh, But this will be an interesting one. The first game uh, in the Big 12 for UCF. It all becomes real now. Gus Belzon finally gets back into the Power Five. Can he get his name back on the map as one of the top coaches in college football. Um, He's going to have to do it without his uh, star quarterback in John Rice Plumley. He's still out for a couple of weeks with his leg injury. Um, Timmy mclean has been the guy who took his spot. He's been fine, but he hasn't had to play anybody. He played Villanova last week. He threw Mm -hmm. for 320, which, yeah, that's a good warm-up game to go into Manhattan for sure. So we'll see what he's actually made of. Um, The one thing I take away from UCF so far is – they still don't overload with talent to me. I don't think – I've heard some people say this is a top four or five team in the Big 12. I still don't see it. I think I'm still picking a couple of other teams over this. The one game they played, they went into Boise and they came out with a win uh, on a last-second field goal. They scored 18 points. I don't think the Boise State's defense is very good. So what's what's that say about UCF without their quarterback? On the other side – Kansas State's coming off a loss to Missouri. They're hungry. They're back at home. I talked about the run game. Well, they're going to have to do it without Treshawn Ward. He's listed as doubtful for now. Will Howard's even listed as probable, but I highly doubt. He looked rough, man, late in that game. I'm sure he's battling something, but I can can guarantee Will Howard will be taking the field on Saturday. Um, Defensively, I think this team just needs to get after McLean early, shut down the pass, and force UCF to run. I don't think they have a big run game. I think that's where Malzahn's most comfortable is kind of through the air. So at home in Manhattan. Ooh, I differ with you on that. Could be. It could be. Um, it, it might change now with, with McLean, right? Yeah. Um, the guy who has experience at USF. But again, they're high on him, but it doesn't mean he's been exposed to this stuff yet. And I kind of think with the John Rice Pumley, they're going to try to run the football and spread it out a little bit. But it might be a little bit different now. With a different play style. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. for me – um, I think this game could get kind of ugly. I-, I would love to see UCF just play somebody in the Big 12 before I really get a big idea on them. Um, but I'm going to take Kansas State in this one. Yeah, I'd love to take the Knights right here. I'm high on them. I was high on them in the preseason, but I was, again, injuries happen and it kind of derails some predictions. I had them at eight wins. This is one that I kind of had them losing anyway. But when your quarterback's not around, it really gives you a tough roundabout. Um, and if Howard plays, 
he's not going to make mistakes. He's not going to turn the ball over. It's not a Kansas State team that's going to beat themselves. You might see McClain try to make too many plays happen and throw a ball away, ill-advised, or just small stuff that could add up because this team does not beat themselves. And it's tough to go into Manhattan and win games, especially when they're coming off a loss. They're back at home. It's the Big 12 opener. It's a tough team to beat. I, I'll take Kansas State to win. I'll take them to cover as well. I, I without John Rice Plumley, I just don't think the Knights can win this one as much as I would like them to. Reese, you got any idea on this one? What are you thinking? Without Plumley, yeah, I mean that defense is going to look as bad as they did last week against Missouri. Um, and I think you can't match Will Howard. Not gonna, not going to make a lot of mistakes. That offense is going to find a way to just put up points, kill some clock. And I think if UCF, when they do have the ball, I just don't know if they're going to be able to keep up with this offense. Um, they might make some, they might make some mistakes. But I just think Will Howard versus your inexperienced guy. If you had Plumley, I think it's a, obviously a much, much interesting game. I think UCF has a chance to go in there mm-hmm. and win the ball game. But without him, it's just a completely different story. 100% agree on that. And another thing with that, like, there's a lot of talk on UCF still. Like, a lot of people think they're really good. Well, nobody's talking about Kansas State anymore. People somehow think last week was a dud. They played well. Man, it's just things didn't bounce their way. Parks, your th- thoughts on this one here? Yeah, no, I'm excited for it, and and even outside of Plumley not playing, right? Like you still got to give credit to where credits due. This is a team that ranks number one in offensive yardage in the conference, and first year in it, 617 yards a game. That's not all coming off Plumley. Now, granted, most of it does because he can run and throw, but they still have weapons on the outside. I'm interested to see how K State responds after last week. I think Schaefer hit the nail on the head. I just don't think – I think you're asking too much from this UCF team without their leader on the field. Give me K-State at home. I See, I think we're kind of seeing all the same thing. We don't think last week was a dud from Kansas State. We don't think UCF's no. a bad team, but we think when the, you lose your leader and a guy as dynamic as Rice Plumley, it changes the game completely. And Kleiman, again, doesn't beat himself. We're all seeing the same thing, which I think um, says a lot about Kansas State and should say more than what people are typing on the internet or whatnot. Mm-hmm. It's still a really good football team. It's still a team a lot of people would take to win or get to the Big 12 title, right? So that's that game. Thank you, Schaefer, for being our Big 12 guy. You really hammered it down yeah. right there. But- I, I would like to give more. I honestly, I wish I, I knew a little more about this UCF team. This might be the only team, and I'll watch this game, but I don't think I've I caught glimpses of that Boise game, but I really haven't seen any of this team. Oh, I, was, I was pretty locked in week one when they were playing Kent. God, that game was, Dude, that was a no. slaughtering. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Slaughtering. Just taking the cows to slaughter in that one. So the next one we go, and I don't know if we qualify this as a big game outside of the fact that both teams are ranked and it's a whiteout. The Iowa Hawkeyes will travel to Penn State into Happy Valley to play the Nittany Lions of James Franklin. 14 and a half point dogs. And to make matters worse, no Luke Lachey, no Caleb Johnson. No Jazz Patterson. You are now without your leading rusher. No Patterson either. Running back. Nope. And your top pass catcher and best (sighs) tight end, Luke Lachey. And we are going in to play the best team we will see for a long time. Yes. Beautiful. Um, Love it. Very nice. Very nice. I... I think I think it'll be close. I don't think we get blown out. I I think we cover, to be completely honest with you, just because we muck it up enough. We can cause a little bit of panic within Aller. Uh, you saw last week he was a little inconsistent against a good Illinois defense. Well, let alone, behold, Iowa's defense is much better. And it's a big spotlight, man. Whether you're at home or not, man, this kid's going to have a lot of jitters going into the game. And he may just calm him down right away and be a really good quarterback. I don't know. I'm not going to try and predict that kind of thing. 
but the Hawks are going to be able to stop the run. They're going to be able to slow things down. Can you keep Penn State from sustaining drives, though? Like maybe this, maybe Aller goes out there and takes what the defense gives him, and he's just taking three there, four there, two, five. Like just slowly, methodically moving the football down the field as teams have done on this Iowa team in the past. Uh, Sean Clifford did it a couple years ago when they went into Kinnick before he got hurt. So it's interesting to look at. Now, my problem is, is that this Iowa offensive line hasn't really solidified itself yet. They did last week against a bad Western Michigan team, which is good. I, I don't care that it was against Western Michigan. You needed to see that group take a step forward, and they did. They ran the football well. LaShawn Williams is still a good running back who's very experienced. We need to make sure that McMahon stays upright. You need to make sure that he's not throwing ill-advised balls and thinks he needs to make more plays than he has to. It, it kind of has to be one cohesive thing. And you don't need to put up 30 here. But I think you need to get to 17 or 20, right? You, you got to get to 17 or you got to get to 20 to win this one. I said you don't need to get to 30. Everybody no, I know. Up, you, right? I know. You said you said need to get to 17 or 20. And it just – That's what – I think you need that. I think you I know. need that. No, I agree. I agree. Um, I think – you know what? I'm sorry. I'll get to that. Reese – I know Reese was going to help you with this. I'll I'll let Reese – Spill his Reese, go ahead, first. I was going to say, you're, you're mentioning the guys you have out, your top running back, and not to mention Penn State's only giving up 96 yards a game on the ground, and McNamara hasn't looked the greatest. He's making ill-advised throws. That defense has already forced two uh, two interceptions and five fumbles, if I have that correctly. Or no, two, two fumbles, five interceptions. So can they make Cade uncomfortable, especially without his top guys there, bring pressure all day? I just don't know if the offense is, gonna, especially with that line, is going to be able to keep up with that defense, who also has two of the best corners um, yeah. in the Big Ten. I just don't know if that offense is going to be able to score a whole lot. Keeping it to within fourteen, I don't know because I don't know if Penn State's going to go pedal to the metal, throw on the throw if they do start scoring. But I would lean Penn State to cover just because I think they're equipped to score more points. I just don't know if I was going to be able to put up seventeen twenty no, points. In- I'm not I'm not high on this game. Like I don't have any crazy expectations. I'm pumped up for it. Don't get me wrong. I think this is I fuck throw them to the wolves, man. I mean, we need to find out what we can do and if we can win the West, right? Like let's you've had your time to warm up and you, you didn't really get much out of it till the last one. Throw them to the wolves. Let's find out what this team's all about. My Iowa just doesn't get blown out. They I mean, they have before and they did a couple years ago in a Big Ten title game. But the, like that's not their MO. When you think Iowa football, you don't think them down 35-14 or something like that. Now, can it happen? 100%. Just like Reese said, like if they can't move the football because they can't get a push on the run and they're just constantly having defensive players in the backfield, it, it's going to be tough. Um, and Penn State's good, man. I have them in my college football playoff. So uh, I'll take the Hawks to cover, but I think Penn State gets this one as cool as it would be to have an Adrian Claiborne moment in this game. I just don't see it. Yeah, you're gonna need you're gonna need a defensive touchdown to give yourselves a chance in this game. Um, and it's possible. It Maybe is, we get a is, dumb one. It is Maybe possible. Maybe we get a dumb. It one. is possible. I've seen it a hundred times. The thing with me is, you said 17 points wins you the football game. I would argue that it probably does, um, but I don't anticipate this offense scoring more than 10 points. Like I said, maybe the defense gives you yeah, a touchdown. That's, that's but fair. With with Lachey out. I mean, that is literally Brian Ferentz's bread and butter is his main target at tight end. Um, McNamara already looks uncomfortable, and that's concerning because I don't think he's really seen near the defense as what he will see on Saturday. I think Carter in this linebacking group for Penn State is fast as hell. I think it's one of the best in the country. And can LaShawn Williams really 
take all the carries to try to establish a run game. I just oh, don't they're gonna have to go to true freshmen who are it's just, unproven it's, and got it, a couple snaps last week. It's just bad. Yeah, I see. It's just a scary and a bad recipe. I would be. I don't know what I'm going to go look what Iowa's under for their total is. I wish it's you could count Thursday. I bet. I wish you could count like if they scored 17 total, but they only scored well, just do some math. No, I'm just do, telling just you. No, no, no. That's over Listen. under 42, 43. No, no, the team total. I'm saying like, I think Iowa could team. score a defensive touchdown to hit their team over, but I'm saying if they didn't count defensive touchdowns towards their team over, I would love it. For like, well, I'll tell you what. For some reason, teams love going for two against Penn State when you bet the other team's under. So I advise you not to take that for some reason. Not from this, speaking this experience at all. This line basically tells you the line. The over unders are like forty two, right? I got you. somewhere in there. I'll pull you up here. I just want a clean number here. So it's like twenty eight fourteen is what they're yeah, thinking. Yeah, that's that's what I was about to say, Reese. Is you can just do yeah. the math off of that over yeah, under twenty eight fourteen twelve and a half total points. I That's think Iowa gets to. Take. I mean, that puts it right in that number, like me and Reese was talking about. <laughs> I would, I don't, I would hopefully have under over that, but who the fuck knows? Parks to you on the Hawks <laughs> and the yeah. Nittany line. Ashton asked me what a Nittany line was the other day. I had to go through the whole spiel of what Nittany Mountain was, and this it's like, come on. <laughs> I think we briefly mentioned it, and Schaefer just mentioned it, and and we when we're talking about Iowa football, I mean, a big piece of that is is turnovers. If Iowa's defense can create turnovers, get Aller in some bad spots, you're going to have a closer ball game than people think. Now, do I think that'll happen? I don't know. I haven't seen enough standout plays from this Iowa defense as much as last year, but that is a stacked deck they're going against. They've still been very good and very effective. I think Iowa needs to start the game with the bang. I've kind of seen this last these last couple of games where Iowa's played in big games, Ohio State last year. They've started off slow, or they started off with a huge mistake that got them down early, and they're not really a team that builds up quicker, including the Nebraska game last year. Like if that game starts and it's Nebraska only gets out ten to nothing, Nebraska loses that game. But I think Iowa has to kind of stay within the game at the beginning to make it a good game. But if they force oh, wow. turnovers, anybody any, it could be anybody's game. I think McNamara has to be a little bit better going through his progressions, get more comfortable in the offense, but you yep. take a big weapon away. I don't see the Hawks winning this. It's just too tough of a spot, but I think the good news for UJP as a fan is even if they get beat 35 to 10, I still think they can win the West. So Yeah, and I still think they should win the West, but again, this is, this is not the game I think people had circled as a W in the preseason or even now, especially leading up to this one. Let's stay in the Big Ten. I mean, I'm calling Notre Dame a Big Ten team, even though they play ACC schedules. They're a Big Ten team. Ohio State at Notre Dame. This has got to be one of the most anticipated games of the year or the week. Maybe it wasn't circled as much. We weren't sure what we were getting out of Notre Dame in the preseason. Well, you know now this is massive. If Ohio State wants to get to the playoff, they have to play Penn State and Michigan still. Notre Dame really needs to make a statement now. Ohio State minus three going into South Bend. Take us away on this one. What is going to happen? I think anything could happen. I mean, to be honest with you, I think anything could happen anything? in this game. I really do. Um, I think this is a statement game for both teams. Uh, I would love that for this to be a great game and us take away from the end. Like I think both these teams could still make the playoff. That would be my dream scenario. But but looking at this on the Ohio State side, Day finally names McCord the starter. Does that equal why they were so successful on offense last week? I don't know. I, Western Kentucky's not very good, but 
Maybe that took a little bit of pressure off McCord's shoulders. Who knows when you're going in the mind of a quarterback. The biggest thing for me is if you got to get Williams and Henderson going. Like, if you can get those two backs going, I think it's going to open up a ton of space for these receivers to just light up the field. Yeah. I'm interested to see who Benjamin Morrison is guarding, uh, whether that be Igbuka, maybe that is Harrison, maybe they switch off a little bit, depending on some certain some packages. I'm super excited for that matchup. On the Notre Dame side, it's it's really simple. Protect Sam Hartman. He's arguably the best quarterback in the country when you can gl- give that guy a clean pocket. He is as accurate as it gets. Um, and he's shown that this year so far with 13 touchdowns and zero interceptions. So mm-hmm. they, they haven't seen a defensive front like they're going to see on Saturday, but the record shows like if you give that guy time, he's going to be really, really good. When running the ball comes to play, SMA is going to be an X factor. I mean, this guy can bust out 80 yard runs, but he does have a tendency to lose the football. So protect the football. Okay. Get your big yardage. He's going to be a huge X factor as well. NC state was eight and 19 on third downs against Notre Dame a couple weeks ago. Can Notre Dame get Ohio state off the field early? Uh, the biggest thing, another thing to keep an eye on is Javante Jean Baptiste as a defensive end for Notre Dame. He was a former Ohio state guy. So kind of a little tie there to keep an eye out for that. He's going to be a huge piece on the edge to try to get some pressure on McCord. I don't, I kind of just gave a bunch of factors of what is going to happen and how teams are going to be successful. Are you going to tell us uh, what actually going to happen? I know. I I listed everything for you because I think this game is as good as advertised. I think it's going to be awesome to watch, and that's why I'll wait on our prediction. I'll let everybody go. Reese is here to help too. Yeah, Reese, you're up, man. Say the one thing that's sticking out for me about this game is Notre Dame. They haven't really been tested in three of the four games, but the one game that they were tested against North Carolina State, they didn't leave a doubt. They had Armstrong in that game with the opposing quarterback, who I think the four of us would agree is a better quarterback so far than McCord is. So they've already seen a solid quarterback, but that that offense did not have the weapons that Ohio State has. So can Ohio State make those adjustments and not get beat over top? Um, They're not a very penalized team either. They only have 23 in the four games, which isn't great. Um, They've also only, or offensively, they've only had two turnovers so far. So can they take care of the ball and not give that offense extra chances to score? Because Sam Hartman estimated they've been lights out. They've been dynamite, like Sheriff just mentioned. That offense is going to be able to keep up with Ohio State, who has all those weapons. It's just, can McCord be that guy to, I don't think he has to try to outplay Sam Hartman. He has to be able to try to keep up with him. He doesn't got to worry about being the best quarterback on that day, but he's just got to find a way to keep his team in the ball game. Because that Ohio, that Ohio State defense is also, like, everybody talks about the offense, that the offense is what yes. it's supposed to be. But that defense I, I, exactly, has been Reese. much you. improved. Their defense was only giving up 20 points in three games. Granted, they're not playing great teams. They played. But they're doing uh, what they're supposed to. They're doing what they're supposed to do. They're 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 limiting teams. They're giving that offense chances to score. Giving give them a cord more reps. I think it comes down to Ohio State's defense is going to determine this ball game. But I have my favorite line that we'll get to later in the week. But I think that defense is just going to be the biggest determining factor for this ball game. And you're going on the road for it. So I didn't have any like notes. Like I really wanted you guys. Uh, signed up for this game so I was like you guys take control of it because I think you both are um, either excited to put a bet on it or to watch it or have a little bit of juice in that you're I don't know you're both Notre Dame guys kind of I don't know how that works I mean it's our Catholic Schaefer is yeah I was gonna say you're Catholic so like I don't know but (laughs) it's some people that's their tie I don't know I count it I just wrote down more keys like I thought hey Notre Dame keep 
keep playmakers at bay. You can't let Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Buka tear you apart. You, Travion Henderson cannot run for a ton of yards. Like you can't. Myron Williams cannot gash you. Like it's just keep them at bay, man. They can move the ball a little bit, but keep them at bay. Don't let big plays. And then I said, uh, for Ohio State, just handle the backfield in Notre Dame. It's you know don't let Hartman just pick you apart piece by piece, and don't let Estime start to really feel it on the ground, man, because it can get rough. And I think they have the front to both team. The problem is, is I could see both these things happen. Like Shaver was saying, it's like I don't know, <laughs> but. I really like the defense that Ohio State has. Like reset, they're much improved. They're a lot better. JT Tumaluau is a really good game-changing type of player, and they'll be really solid. So we'll see on this one. Parks, what are you seeing? Anything that maybe we haven't mentioned on this one, or what? What kind of crossed your mind looking at this game? Yeah, when I was taking a look at both teams, you kind of got to look at their schedule, and basically the main question that sticks out is, what do you think is a more challenging game: Ohio State traveling to Indiana or Notre Dame traveling to NC State? Because we really don't know and we're going to get a good idea about what these two teams are going to look like down the conference road this week, which is super important. I think Notre Dame has the upper hand, obviously, in the quarterback play and how experienced Sam Hartman is. He's played on the, on the in tough road environments. He's played in big games. You haven't really, you don't really have that experience with Kyle McCord just getting named the starter. It's a big spot for him. It'll be interesting to see how he reacts. I hope he doesn't press too much because this Notre Dame defense will make him pay. But Ohio State's been splendid on the defensive side of the ball too, just like Reese mentioned. So it's going to be a great game. This is game of the week for me. I've never been more excited to watch a Notre oh, Dame yeah. football team. At, well, at least in the last ten years. I mean, this this Notre Dame football team has impressed me by far and away more than what I thought preseason expectations wise so i think a little bit of a sam hartman bias for us no yeah it might be i love sam hartman i I love (laughs) wake so uh give me picks wise i'll kick us off give me notre dame on the road i i think this has the exact same feeling as an organ rolling into the shoe i think notre dame gets the win on the road i i'll take notre dame in the home team in the points man you're taking the home dog here i'll take notre dame to win and to cover obviously schaefer you're not. You don't have this one on the board later, do you? No, I, I think don't. that's Reese. Notre Dame okay. at home. I I haven't taken enough home teams yet today. I'm taking Notre Dame. Yep, Reese, you're getting to it later. You don't want to talk anymore, do you? Perfect, perfect, perfect. Hey, well, let's go to our. We have a couple. We have a Nebraska fan. We have a Syracuse fan. We got an Iowa State fan. Quickly, clones got the go to Oklahoma State this week. What are we thinking? They're three and a half point favorites. Yeah, I was gonna say I haven't made a comment about your dumbass sweatshirt yet. Um, to be honest with you, it's the first one I saw in my closet. It had nothing to do with the fact that I it kept it away this week for you, Shafe. I kept it away this week. <laughs> As I mean, for this game, man, like I think for both teams, it's it's like a it's a get right game for for the winner, whoever comes out with it. I don't think either of these teams could really get to six wins. Like I honestly, either team could win and still only win four or five games, but it's gonna look a lot gloomier going into October for whoever loses this football game because it's going to be a tough road ahead of you. I mean, so I hope Iowa State's on the better end of it being at home. But, yeah, I think I, I would like to see something progress out of this team and hopefully get one win because we're going to have a tough sledding ahead of us. I can tell you I want no part of betting that game. Parks, <laughs> how about the Skurs? What are we thinking about that? You bring the dogs to town. Yeah, the La Tech dogs coming into town. I mean, it hurts my heart a little bit. Might have to throw on a, a Rustin shirt underneath just to <laughs> save my personal yeah. fandom. Um, but La Tech's not good, man. I mean, they're they're lost. They're, this is a bad football team this year. They're a 20-and-a-half-point dog 
even after Nebraska announces they lost running back one and two this week. So it'll, I'm, I'm excited to watch Emmett Johnson and see how he implements himself into this offense. Young kid, a lot of talent, just doesn't have the experience on the field yet. So it'll be good for him. But I'm also obviously very anxious to see who Nebraska rolls out at the quarterback position. Jeff Sims has been practicing this week, and I think whoever leads us into this week will lead us into the Michigan game. So I think it's a very important piece. I'd like to see a lot of running the ball against this LaTeX team, control the clock, and a big win. So I hope, hopefully Nebraska covers, but should be a good week. Shaver, you didn't really tell us who wins that game, by the way. God, I mean, do you know? No, but you're the fan, not me. Nobody, nobody wins. That's I, what happens. I want to say Oklahoma State, but I don't know how I could pick Oklahoma State after I saw from them last week. Like, both of these teams were equally so damn bad. Like, is it possible for both of them to lose? Is that somehow under. like negative the under. three to yeah. negative five? Like, I just don't. Whoever gets to 14 first is probably going to win the game. Perfect. Perfect. Parks is raising his hand. He's got something. Okay. I just Parks. have a question for you. And this is goes for, I guess, JP, you can answer this too. Am I crazy saying I think Iowa State has like an 85 to 90% chance of being 4-0 if Hunter Deckers is playing quarterback? I've always been a hundred decades. Ninety percent. If he okay, so if, if Hunter, I really oh, do think so. Hold on. So. If, <laughs> if Hunter Deckers is playing, you're also um, implementing that the other four guys are playing as well that all got in the gambling stint. Because I don't think it's just Hunter Deckers that could have changed. Because Isaiah Lee would have been a big piece on the defensive line. Jake, Jake Remsburg would have helped that left tackle position because James Neal might be on my new hate list for Iowa State players of all time. Jirel Brock, <laughs> starting running back that has some get at the line of scrimmage we direly need. And Deshaun Hanica is another freaking receiver tight end that we desperately need. So if you're saying Hunter Deckers is back, uh, I would say that with all five guys, yes, I think this team could could be 4-0. I don't think I that's get no Shannon back on the, off, or on the defensive line that really helps us out with depth there. I mean, that's a – But that doesn't improve – like. We yeah, have guys well, on both sides of the ball. No, what does it do for your years? offense, though? Is what I'm saying that because your offense matter. is still the same this year. With it doesn't so? matter. It doesn't. I don't care at all. You're fucking all. terrible. Anyway, <laughs> it I, I clipped a nerve. I clipped a nerve. That's my anyway. <laughs> Shiv, are you or Reese? Are you going this weekend? Yeah, buy my tickets tomorrow night. Perfect. I just bought you can, perfect. dude. JMA Wireless Dome, beautiful place. But oh my god, can you buy tickets for dirt cheap? And I just go all the way up to the top. Just sit at the middle of the 50. I'm like, the, the, the tippy top as I go, just a bunch of random guys around me and just high five. It's a great time. <laughs> that sounds, do they sell beer? I've never tried to buy beer there. I've never, I don't think they would. I feel like you would know immediately. I've never, no, I mean, when I went there, I mean, I drive by myself. Don't drink oh. and drive, kids. Uh, <laughs> but I go there, I, I went there and I didn't try it last time. So, okay. Okay. Well, we don't condone drinking be, and driving with podcasts. We're still going on games. We just touched on the big ones from the weekend. Let's go to our under-the-radar game of the week. Parks, let's lead it off with you. Your under-the-radar game of the week is what? Yeah, this might take some people by surprise, but it's more just because I'm interested in seeing if one team is really as good as nobody's talking about because they're not. nobody's talking about them. And I've seen a couple of clips this week, but Oklahoma has been absolutely shitting on teams. I mean, on the offensive side of the ball, this team looks complete. This is Texas' biggest threat by a million, and I think it's going to be – I think people need to look more into them. They travel on the road and take on Cincinnati. The first Big 12 game for the Cincinnati Bearcats who are coming off a bad loss from last week and who aren't a very good team. But I'm more interested in the fact of 
is this Oklahoma team really doing that or are they just playing that bad of opponents? So Oklahoma's a 14 and a half point favorite, but Cincinnati, those fans are going to be ready for a big 12 game at home. First one in the conference. So I think it'll be a super interesting story to follow and check out whether or not if Oklahoma is the real deal. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Reese to you on this one. I'm sticking with, I uh, went to country roads last week with another bet. Uh, another one I like this week, Texas tech going to West Virginia. Um, it's time for Shook and Coach McGuire to get this team figured out. Big 12 play starts right now. Uh, what's this team actually going to be like going forward? Uh, and then also, you're getting your West Virginia team where you're trying to figure out those injuries. Uh, what are they actually going to be like? Can they actually be kind of a contender like in the middle of the pack this year? Not that 3-9 and nine or 2-10 and ten team that we were talking about at the beginning of the year, but can they actually be a little bit better? And is this Texas Tech team that I picked to have a shot to win the Big 12 title? at the end of the year, are they actually going to have their improvements and how they made their adjustments to actually look like a team that can do that? Schaefer, how about you? I got Memphis versus uh, Missouri in, in St. Louis, a little neutral site game. They're playing where the Rams used to play. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see kind of what crowd they bring there. Two teams who are undefeated. Memphis coming off a week where they looked pretty damn bad and just beat a very poor Navy team. And, and a Missouri on the other side is – Brady Cook, I think, is doubtful from what we've I'd been be seeing. Doubtful from what I saw. So yeah. um, it would be interesting to see you're catching hangover a t- game. Yeah, you're catching a team that's and you're going play. to the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Like it's a I new mean, not middle of nowhere, but you're not going to play anywhere <laughs> special. Ne- you know, neutral site game. Not sure if your quarterback's going to be around. You're coming off one of the biggest wins in your coach's tenure. Uh, it's Memphis a it's a tra- solid game. man. It's a trap game. Yeah, for sure. it is. Memphis is a solid American program. I'm going to stay or go to the SEC. I'll take. Auburn at Texas A&M. This one is under the radar to me because is what A&M are we going to get? I think this defines a lot. Are we going to get A&M from last year where they win a couple games like, oh, here they come, and then they just play like crap down the stretch? Or are we going to get another team that scores a ton of points? They put away the teams that they're better than as their seven and a half point do- or favorites at home in Auburn. Maybe they're just gritty, man. They kind of seem like a gritty group. They don't have a ton of really ta- – like, Peyton Thorne's all right at quarterback. They got all right pieces on offense and defense. They're solid, but they're not going to blow anybody away. But if A&M, like, all of a sudden can't get a stop through the air and just kind of sputters again on offense like we've seen before, like, this could be closer than we think. So that's the reason I have that one circled. Our G5 game of the week here that I think we all were in agreement on happens to have two de facto teams in it. De facto Sunbelt team, de facto Mountain West team. Appalachian State will go from one mountain range into the other and play at Wyoming. This is going to be damn good. I like This is going to be a ton of fun to watch at night in Laramie. Um, Andrew Peasley is questionable for Wyoming. Their quarterback that did play in that Texas Tech game and played really well. Um, App and Wyoming have both been challenged. Like They've... Wyoming played Texas. They also played Texas Tech. App just played North Carolina. Like these are seasoned teams in two really good programs. Uh, and I think this one kind of comes down to the Wyoming defense versus the Appalachia State offense. The App's got a really good offense. They can really run the football really well with Noel. And Wyoming's usually more stout on defense. So we'll see how this one goes. But it'll be a ton of fun. Anybody have anything to add on Pokes and Mountaineers? Oh, I think, like you said, JP, these are two teams that have both already proven kind of at the power five level that they've been tested this year. So um, this isn't our first glance at either of these teams, but yeah, this is definitely uh, this is a great one before we kind of get into conference play for all of these conferences. 
Yeah, and it's going to bleed into, you know, Iowa, Penn State, or Ohio State, Notre Dame. But it, if you have a third or fourth TV, this one should definitely be you on. Five during screens that time. sitting around in your living room. Hey, That'd be sick. Four ideal. Four is <laughs> if you have the sports book, this one's in the corner, far left corner, but check it out. <laughs> yeah, you'll have to walk over and sit on that side. Otherwise, there's yeah. no, no way you see it. Um, to the betting segment we go, man. I think we need to update the dogs. Dog, um, nothing really crazy. I think um, we did that last week with our – or sorry, not last week. Oh, my God. We just did that really set today, actually. recording on Tuesday. came out Tuesday. Our recap from week three. Let's do the dogs, dog. Schaefer, do you want to start since you were the only one who had one last week that hit? Yeah, I'm back. I'm back. Okay. I'm back. Go in ahead, contention. Man. Yeah. Uh, well, if you back and at it again. You guys are looking at the notes here. Um, it's false information. I am taking West Virginia at home plus the six. I think this is a this is a. Interesting... Why did you switch it? Damn it! Be- I like a light like change. I, huh? uh, I like that pick. This is a. All right. This is a scenario where. You get a team from West Texas traveling all the way over to Morgantown. It much like Lubbock, it gets even weirder in Morgantown. I think this team in West Virginia is going to want to make it ugly. They're going to want to keep the ball in Donaldson's hands. Um, I don't know the status on Garrett Green. I, I have heard he is questionable for the game and he could possibly be out. I hope he plays. Um, that'd be a big factor in this dog's dog. But I, I like this team making it close for Texas Tech. Texas Tech has shown some holes on the defensive side of the ball, um, and I think West Virginia has an opportunity to catch them at a at an interesting spot because this is a Texas Tech team that still has everything to play for. This is a Texas Tech mm-hmm. team that still can get to its first Big 12 title game, but to start off going to Morgantown is not not an easy start. So give me the six points for West Virginia. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Let's go down to Reese. We mentioned this game before, but I love this. Give me the home team, Notre Dame. I got them at three and a half. Give me the hook. I think they're going to be able to at least keep this to a field goal if they're going to lose that ball game, but I think they're going to win this game outright. I might spring a little money line on this, but I like Notre Dame a lot in this spot. I got to write these down. I like it. Parks, go to you. A lot. <laughs> yeah, so I was going to take a look at the board. There's a couple of confusing lines out there. I liked a few of them. Um, I think Illinois minus the 15 is a good pick. Um, but is for my dog dog, I got to go with BYU on the road plus the nine against Kansas. Kansas is coming off a, a win at Nevada. Granted, weird times on the plan, weird travel trip. They don't go there out there that often, but they won 31 to 24 against a Nevada team. That's not very good. Um, and I think BYU did the exact opposite who rolls into Donald DW Reynolds stadium and beats the Hogs. So give me BYU playing with all the confidence in the world. Do they win the game? I don't know. I think playing at Kansas is one of those weird spots, especially at the beginning of the year. Once they hit that five-win mark, you might see them fall back. But I think BYU covers the nine. I love that pick. Let's go to me. All right, go ahead. <laughs> Loosen it up, Jordan. Big pick take, coming in here. I'm going to take SMU plus a six and a half at TCU. Uh, this is a very good SMU team. This is a team that could probably play for an American title later in the year. TCU, they're going to score. They have the ability to score. We've seen how bad the defense is. Now you're going to have to deal with Preston Stone and a really good SMU offense that can light up the world. And I know these games have been high scoring in the past, and TCU got them the last two, couple of years. 
But this SMU team, I think, is out for blood. I think they really are wanting this one. And they got in a battle with Oklahoma. Granted, they lost by 17, but they held Oklahoma under 30, which is tough to do. Now, they did, they're not going to run into an Oklahoma tight defense here. They're going to run into a bad TCU defense. So I'll take SMU in the six and a half. I think they score enough to keep um, the fireworks rolling and keep this game really, really close. So that's a dog's dog. Let's see if people can get some more wins. We need to get some points racking up for the fellas. Only one person hit last week. I was damn close last week to a cover, but for some reason, Brian Ferentz just decided this is the week we should try to score 42. (laughs) Well, I'm going to blame Lane Kiffin then because he did the same thing. So. Yeah, it's fair enough. We can both blame, blame other people for our problems. Yeah, it's that's not what our I'm fault. saying. It's that's, their fault. that's how you get through life. You just blame yep. other people. To our best bet of the weekend, Parks, let's start it off with you. Your favorite one of the weekend is what? Yeah, it's going to surprise some people because it's a game we didn't really talk about. But uh, give me LSU minus 17 and a half at home against Arkansas. Arkansas, a team that's kind of found some offensive confusion on the on. Obviously, that side of the ball, I, I worded that terribly, but they're just, they don't really have a, a true identity. They, on the defense side of the ball, they gave up a ton of points to BYU at home. And I think you're rolling into Death Valley with an LSU fan base that's a little rejuvenized after a big road win at Mississippi State and an ass kicking that they put on them last week. So give me LSU minus a 17 and a half at home. Perfect. Schaefer, to you. Yeah, it was the first game we touched on today, the primetime game. Uh, the early kickoff. Give me the Knowles on the road, minus one and a half against Clemson. Uh, Coleman didn't have a catch last week. He's got to get involved. Um, and Brandon Fisk in that defensive line needs to get after Klubnik. I think both of these teams can can do that. So I, I just like the athletes better for Florida State, really, when they match up. I, I'm not taking last week too much into consideration, especially when Travis went down um, in the beginning of that uh, first half, I, it just kind of set the tone for the rest of the game, and Florida State kind of fell asleep once they got a decent lead. So I think this Florida State team's really good. I think they're still a top five team in college football, and yeah, I I, I don't trust Clemson. I just don't. So give me the one and a half. Reese, you want this next one, or you want me to go? I'll take it, man. I'll let you okay, go man. last because okay. you, okay. you, yeah, man. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna go with North Carolina minus a seven and a half against Pitt. I don't know why we keep mentioning or I keep <laughs> mentioning Pitt on this so podcast, <laughs> but I don't know why he mentioned. But it's Drake May versus Phil Dracovic, who has we mentioned. I mentioned in today's episode. If you listen, good job if you listen today. <laughs> but just did not look great. That offense, Pitt's offense, is not able to keep up with this North Carolina offense. If even if North Carolina can turn the ball over, I don't think their Pitt's gonna be able to capitalize on those mistakes. If Pitt turns the ball over, North Carolina's going to score a bunch of points. I don't see Pitt scoring more than 14 to 17 points, and I think North Carolina can easily go and get 30. This is this is a no-doubter for me. Drake May um, is going to do what he can do. I like do. that pick, Reese. Reese, yeah, you, you might get a little bit of tail there. <laughs> not, Reese is getting, not, t- God, Reese is getting tail? <laughs> it's, Whoa! Reese, I'm tell you on that one. I'm <laughs> saying I might get, so, get some people tailing you there. <laughs> you know what I meant. Congrats, God, congrats Reese. Reese. <laughs> Reese, the, the thirst trap worked. Reese, congrats on the set, Reese. Yes. Let's go, Reese. Hey, I'm going to go back to the Pac-12, back to a game we talked about earlier. I'll take Oregon State minus three. I think, um, again, just a more well-rounded team. I know they're on the road, which sucks. I don't love that part of it. Um, I think you'll get a, D, a DJU that's very confident and more relaxed and well put into this offense. You're getting a really good running back in Martinez. You're getting the better defense. Give me the three. I'll take Oregon State. 
anything else we want to touch on before we wrap this thing up and deliver it out Thursday. This will come out again. If you haven't touched our recap, if you were wondering what happened last week, go listen to that. It came out on Tuesday. We'll drop this one on Thursday. There are games Thursday night. We're going to be fun ones, Air Force plays, and I think I'm going to take them as well. So anything we want to talk about before we wrap this thing up? I don't, I don't, we, we need to keep track of our head to heads. We never, uh, we never keep track of those. So well, I know, how many head to heads do we have right Cam's now? Cam's pretty have any this week? persistent. Oh, we have, we have, uh, Cam's got Washington state. I know that me and you JP are siding Oregon state. Did anybody side with Clemson? I, I say, Clemson. okay. I had Florida I state. Also took him. I had Florida state, uh, uh, Alabama, Ole Miss. I think I'm against, I think it's three against one there. For for me, yeah, took, you had Ole Miss. You were the only one on Ole Miss. There's some good ones in there. I think. Don't sleep on Cam Moore. He makes a name for himself this week, baby. I'm telling you, he just built like a mini truck what, what and just slings have, it. What did we have for Notre Dame, Ohio State? I had me and Reese had the Irish. You two have Ohio State, or do you have Notre no, Dame? No, I, I said Notre Dame. I, we all four took Notre Dame. That's not good for Notre Dame. That's not good. Oh, that's not good for Notre Dame. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, right. if, if somebody like has a best bet go against each other and stuff, we'll keep checking that. But I think it's gonna be tough to do it the other way around unless somebody's writing all of that. So perfect. Let's roll into week four. Let's have a really good weekend. It's gonna be an incredible weekend of college football. Make sure you have a minimum of three screens. Go get you a pumpkin spice latte. Kick off the day with a sausage, egg, and cheese sandwich. Let's have a good one. Reese. Get a jar of peanut away. butter if you want. Get a jar no, of peanut butter if you no, want to. No, hey. Take us away. Man with a white woman at the top floor, they gon' come to your King Kong.